Welcome to Brose, the quilted quicker picker-upper. My name is Matt Casnell, and joining me, as they always do, are my bros in Rose. To my right, Mr. Rich Sweeten. Bounty. To my left, Mr. Sean O'Brien. Hey, everybody. And across from us, reporting live from Uganda, Tim Hansen. <laughs> Fuck your couch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No. Let's be nice to him. He's in his own apartment. In Uganda. Yay, I'm an adult. <laughs> no, there we go. Yeah, how is, how is uh, session two in your in your apartment treating you? Uh, I love it. Yeah? This is his yeah. first session in the apartment. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you weren't at, you had moved in, but oh. you were not gotten internet in your apartment at that right. point. Now yeah. I got internet and, ca- well, I don't have cable because I don't need cable, but uh, I got internet and couches and my own fridge, and it's wonderful. And my own fridge like a boss. So, welcome to the Brose Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, available as always on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and everywhere you can get podcasts. Uh, the point of this podcast, it's pretty simple. We answer questions from you, the audience, from our significant others, and from the universe, about the life, about the universe, and about the everything. <laughs> 42. 42. 42. Exactly. So if you have a question that you want to submit to the show, uh, you want to get our opinions on uh, Tim's couch, uh, what we should do to it, things of that Yo, nature. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> My couch alone. It is beautiful. Brosequestions at gmail.com. Brosequestions at gmail.com. Hey, Tim, uh, what's the email address? It's brosequestions at gmail.com. Excellent. We did it. Before we really get into things here, um, Sean. This weekend, uh, there was a celebration of the upcoming child that you are going to be rearing. That is that is true. Yes. Uh, about approximately one month before this comes out. Yep. Uh, yeah, we had the uh, baby shower. You did it, man. <laughs> how did it go? Uh, it went fine. It was a baby shower. I don't really know how they usually go. Because mm. as guys, we don't ever get invited to them. No. So I don't know how they normally go. I've shockingly been to a good share of baby showers yeah <laughs> i i had so I, I dropped off my wife uh at around like 10 10 15 something like that to come up set up and i was helping carry things in and to your point about then not typically being at the baby shower when i walked in i i felt like i had walked into like like i was like I was wearing the wrong color jumper on like a Star Trek uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was behind just, enemy lines. Everybody just looked at me and just like, oh, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, no, no, I'm leaving. I yeah. promise. Yeah. I just was carrying this big basket in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So it was fine. We yeah. got uh, here's here is one thing though. Nobody got us. Everyone got us clothes for the baby, mm-hmm. and no one got us. The stuff that we need of course. <laughs> for the baby. Yeah. Because apparently a lot of people assumed that we had it already because mm-hmm. we have Jacob, he's 10. Mm-hmm. So presumably he was an, a, an infant at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we it's, don't. Guess what? Good. It was a decade ago. I don't even remember what I was doing a decade ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, we're fine because we mm-hmm. are, you know, we have jobs and stuff. But it's, yeah. it's like, what are you guys doing? What is, it, you is it because people don't want to do that? Like, because it's not fun? Or like, what? what well, do you know if there's a reason? I, I think it's just that everyone assumed that we had it. So like, let's just get the fun stuff. Because normally I think my, my, my perception is that you'll get... Like the the real thing, like you get a stroller and then like a cute couple onesies or something, because onesies are fairly cheap, like yeah, ten sure. bucks. Yeah. yeah. But 
yeah, so we will. I mean, we're gonna get everything, but it was just funny to see like yeah. the only person, the only people who got us uh, like r- real stuff mm-hmm. were people who had recently had babies. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. So they know. Yeah, they're they like, know. yeah. It Everyone else had forgotten. It also can be an assumption of liability because, like, if 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 I get you a onesie, like if Jen and I got you a one, a couple of onesies, you and the onesies don't fit or they rip or something, mm-hmm. it's like ah, it's a onesie. But if we get you like like a hammock and the hammock breaks, then we're dead. You're, you're assuming yeah. we are attached to that hammock for the rest of our lives. Yeah, but a, a, a shout out to my mom. Yeah. Who, uh, she helped us bring everything home because I have a tiny car. And when we got home, she was like, you didn't get like a mattress or anything? And we were like, no. And and she immediately then bought us a mattress, which was like a very mm-hmm. nice thing. And we really appreciate it. Was a, a, it, was a, it was just a very surprising random act of kindness in that moment. Did we, anybody get you rosé? Uh, No. But we did get um, we did get a bunch of wines, mm-hmm. none of which were rosé. That's very nice, but it's actually bullshit because <laughs> <laughs> my friend, as an official gift of the Rosé podcast, the three of us have decided to get you a bottle of Garrus, uh, which is a wine that you should definitely not drink as part of the Rosé podcast <laughs> because this is not this is not. Don't drink this all in three hours while we're talking about like municipality municipal government uh, wine. This is. Good rosé, uh, very highly rated. It was scored a 95 based oh, on the shit. something or other rosé uh, rating board. Uh, and it's the official gift to Sean from the Brosé podcast for your official bachelor party, which is what this session is. Congratulations. Why I drove. Yeah, rich, rich driving was part of the gift. <laughs> so there you go. Congra- as hell. Absolutely. Congratulations, buddy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We'll have to... You have to provide the tasting notes like at a different time. Yeah. This is like a, a enjoy the night. You know, you're sipping rosé. You know, and, <laughs> and and not necessarily trying to get three glasses in in one night if you need to. <laughs> no, that's a. This is a post baby. I have 15 minutes. Really need to savor that. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're on the subject of rosés, uh, we all brought our own rosé to drink tonight. Uh, Tim, what rosé did you uh, bring to imbibe this evening? Uh, I'm drinking Chloe Rosé from Central Coast, California. It's a 2017 vintage. Blah, blah, blah. Tasting notes. Uh, it's pretty good. It's for how light the color it is. I feel or it tastes like a darker wine. Okay. So I'm a big fan so far. Nice. Okay. The is it's a so darker. Is it? Does it give any indication as to Grenache grapes being involved by chance? I, I looked for it. I did not see that. Hmm. Okay. It just says, like, beautiful aromatics, raspberries, watermelon, and strawberries. Hey, that works, though. Uh, Rich, what are you drinking this evening? I am drinking uh, Sakura Rosé de Peño Noir. Uh, Appalachian Burgone Controle, I believe is what it says. The really small words. Yeah. Sure, we'll go Borg- with that. Borg- I, yeah, it's like yeah. Borgonia or something. Uh, it's a 2016. There are no tasting notes on this, so I'm going to have to look that up. And I like it so far. It's uh, not not too, like, uh, it doesn't have, like, too much of an aftertaste or a bittering or, like, a grossness of s- other wines I've had, like that $4 wine that I had forever ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's good. I like it. Nice. Okay. All right. Sean, what are you drinking this evening? I am drinking uh, D'Autrefois, a Pinot Noir Rosé, um, and it is... Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, there has there are some 
tasting notes in French, but the English ones say, This wine is extremely fruity with predominant fragrances of small red fruits. It's very supple and pleasant with slight flavors of pink candies. It will accompany barbecue or any other summer dishes. Accompany barbecue? Yeah. (laughs) And it says to serve at 52 degrees Fahrenheit, which I don't know if that's the case right now. (laughs) No. But it's really good. I think Pinot Noir Rosés generally are where I'm at. Okay. I think they are my favorite. They are like a little bit sweet, but they have that real dryness that I like. I am am with you there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that seems to be like sort of where we've landed, even though we all took that quiz, but it seems like we've all landed on like Pinot Noir Rosés generally pretty solid yeah yeah like I, i'm more of a sweet rosé guy and this one isn't too sweet but i still like it mm. uh yeah it's a nice accompaniment to normal savory dishes i am drinking behringer main and vine dry rosé um if you have listened to session uh 11 uh episodes 11 1 2 and 3 uh you'll know that i was doing a bit of an experiment i purchased um the most expensive bottle of rosé that i could find uh, in the local liquor store, which is like a $24, $25 bottle, and then also purchased the cheapest bottle that I could find, which is a $7, $8 bottle, and just wanted to see if it would actually do anything, mean, mean anything to me, if I could tell the difference. So last week I drank the more expensive bottle, and now we're on the other end of the seesaw, because I am drinking the $8 bottle of Behringer right now. I have not tasted it yet. Uh, this could be dangerous, or it could just be fine, and it would prove that the price points for all these are nonsense. Do we need a drum roll for this? Uh, we might. It. And is it? Is it? BS. Let's see. All right. So oh, yeah, it. <laughs> I haven't tried it at all. Um, it's very dry. Um, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It tastes like $8 <laughs> one. Is it better than the other one? It's not better than the other one. Um, is it better than Dark Horse? I like dark. Well, you you had the the the, the um, box. The box. Yeah, I yeah. got a bottle of Dark Horse for my mm-hmm. birthday, and it was really good. I mean, it was fine. Yeah. It was similar to what I'm drinking. It was maybe a little bit less good. But. I've seen bottles of Dark Horse uh, in the same in the same uh, wine and spirit store that I got this bottle in, and I've walked past it a few times. And every time there's a picture of something that looks kind of like a horse on the front, and I see like if I look at it too long, I see Tim's face start to appear. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the horses. Every time I see a bottle of Dark Horse, I just start to think Nickelback, and I'm like, I can't. Damn, that was actually. <laughs> I'm gonna stand for that album. It was really good. <laughs> uh, like, uh, the way it's it's the the lyrics. I mean, bad, reprehensible. The music, just fine. Um, there are seven questions in each of these envelopes. There are seven questions, okay. Yes. Uh, now, the first envelope, which I have just opened, uh, says yeet. Uh, it's got a single yeet. Now, this is important because if you listen to the next two episodes that come out after this, there are substantially more yeets on each envelope as we go on to the evening. Um, but, but are you gentlemen ready? Uh, Sean, hopefully you remember this when we get to three yeets. You gotta say it goes ah yeet 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 motherfucker. Ah <laughs> uh, yeet yeet. God damn. <sighs> what was it like the first time you moved <laughs> into your own place? The first question: What was it like the first time you moved into your own place? So, does this count? Like, I, does it count moving into college? Then I, I think. Moving into your own place is moving out of your parents. Sure. I would qualify. Like, I I don't think we... Because I think everybody here has lived with, like, a roommate or a significant other their entire life, with the exception of me. And Mm. Tim. As a friend. Yeah. For, like, a month. For, like, a month. So, like... (laughs) Three months. You shut up. (laughs) What was it it like moving out of your parents' house? It was like moving out of my parents' house. So, it's interesting for me because at the same time... A lot of stuff happened around the same time that I moved out of my parents' house. So I graduated from college in May with Sean. 
And um, and by July, um, in May, May of 2011, yeah, this yeah. past May, <laughs> <laughs> May of 2011. Uh, so May of 2011, I graduated, and by July, uh, the lease had started on the apartment that I was moving in with uh, your cousin, Rich's cousin uh, Vince, and his girlfriend at the time. And so I had two months there where I was sort of getting stuff ready, and I moved out in July. But at the same time, my brother was getting ready for his freshman year of college. And at the same time, my mother was designing plans to move to Kentucky from Southeast PA. So as of May 2011, there were three of us living there. And by August, there were none of us living there in three different locations. (laughs) Um, So that was weird. It was weird. But I... I liked it. Like it was, it was, I had gotten used to living on my own a little bit with, with being at college. Um, but this was, this was, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to put myself back in that place and it was, it was cool. It was something liberating about like not being there, not being on my own because of school, but being on my own because of my job, albeit my very low paying job, uh, that had a very terrible schedule, but um, it was it was cool. It was like one of those things where like you sort of try stuff out where you're just like, I'm gonna go and buy like a surge protector, and that was like awesome. Yeah, that was, that <laughs> was probably the dopest part of buying a house was like all the cool like, oh, I get to buy a rake. I, yeah, a I, rake, baby. Yeah. When I had to buy my first like hose mm-hmm. for outside, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, oh man, I get to buy a hose. This yeah, is baby. nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how long I should get one though. I got a hundred feet. It's way too long. <laughs> feet. Yeah, but my my connector is in the front of the house, and I usually need it for the back of the house for when I'm power washing the deck. So it makes sense. I have a long hose, but mm. it's too long. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we got rake a hose. Uh, Sean, what was it like when you first moved in? Um, I moved. So I moved in. The first place I ever lived after my parents' house in college was with Mary. Like I moved in with Mary, and it was a slow. It was kind of just a slow transition. Like, I, I just started, I was spending a couple of nights there a week, and then slowly, like, it's like, well, now I live here, and I moved in. So it was just, it was it was nice, because there was a, it was just, it was just a smooth transition. It was just, I went from living at home, and now I'm living, uh, I, I don't remember if we were engaged then, but, mm. but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was, it was also nice, because you get, in, in that kind of transition, I think I got, like, a good idea of who Mary was as a person and what I would need to do. So it wasn't like you're just thrust into living with somebody. You don't really know. Cause I think that can be hard if you move in immediately with somebody and you have to figure out what your roles are going to be. Yes. If you have a little bit of a leeway, it might be a little bit easier, but I don't know. Cause I've only ever done it one time. So my sample <laughs> size is me. Yes, that's it. It's not huge, but it's, all, but <laughs> yeah. it's also like the, 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 the purpose of it was, was a little different. Like you're learning about the, your significant other, you're learning about your compatibility. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 doing it for that that aspect i think when i when i did it because of when i did it and who i moved in with it was sort of just like well this is just college again oh yeah like, you, yeah this you is just, yeah you know you you buy you know it's like well the first you know the first stop we have to go is bj's and the second stop is the liquor store because we need liquor in this apartment <laughs> yeah. the first thing oh. that we get before like you know a rake uh, <laughs> so it was a bottle of svetko with stars and stripes and on some it. kraken yes oh my god <laughs> Every place I live, someone has brought fucking Kraken into this house. Rich's cousin Vince insists that Kraken is actually good, uh, which is the worst take he's had. The, the, the pickiest Second guy. Second, well, yeah. <laughs> the pickiest guy we've ever known thinks Kraken is good. Mm-hmm. Like this dude will eat cucumbers and that's it at a barbecue. Well, this is this is not him thinking it's good. This is him making a mistake. 
and not wanting to cop to it because he <laughs> bought this and Fact. kept it there. And Tim can attest to this because I would say, because uh, Vince would say, it's actually good. I'm like, well, why am I the only one drinking it then? And the only reason I'm drinking it is to get the fuck out of this fuck house. Out of the house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've so, been there. I've been there. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, you have had the most recent experience with this, I believe. You explain to us how this has gone for you. So, I guess I would consider this my second time moving out. That's right, because you, you also moved out a little bit before, right? Yeah, six years ago. Was it six years ago? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was when Game of Thrones was only in like its first or second season, mm-hmm. so it's been a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which for you, it was like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, and the first time, it was like really cool. It was like branching out on my own. I had been going to boarding school forever, so I was used to being away from home. But I was always surrounded by people. So the fact that there was actually privacy was really cool. The fact that the things I was using were actually mine. Even though I never had a couch, just a coffee table. But um, So that was cool. This time it was a little more like terrifying. Because I got financially fucked last time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like that's still in the back of my head. And then like my mom's going through a lot of stuff. And I don't want her to feel like I'm abandoning her. So then I've got that concern. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it was a breath of fresh air, and uh, a change of scenery was great for my mental health and stability, I think. So you're juggling some some familial expectations and some emotional yeah. stuff as well while you're doing this. Yeah, but um, I mean, I think the big thing is I like if my if my state of being is shit, then I can't really worry about other people. So I think it's been a lot of like I gotta focus on myself and get myself to a good place. How how big was the family part of it for for all you guys? Like, just the the, the family, like you know, I, I can't believe you're leaving. Like, was there a, a feeling of with your parents, like, yes, this is the right thing for you to be doing, or were they like dragging their heels or anything like that? I'll well, open it up for for me per se. I um, I never actually moved out on my own. I got the place I did because my grandfather passed away. I moved in to help him. And then he passed away, and I was in limbo for a good two months saying, like, I don't really have a place to live because I'm living in this house of somebody who, who's dead. And then it took two years for me to actually buy the place. And everyone was like, you know, this is a smart move. It's good. It's financially stable. It, uh, apartments rent always goes up, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, now that I've been there for five years or so, I'm like, it was a smart move, but I kind of regret it mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't take too much consideration. It was kind of felt like I was pushed into a, a decision that I wasn't quite ready to make. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah and it, it sucks because you did. You there is kind of a limited timeline to yeah. make that. You're, you're you're under a crunch. It's yeah. not. You don't really and, have. And at the time, if I were to not have bought the place, I really wouldn't have anywhere else to go besides another apartment. My parents were housing my half brother. And his family in the room that I would have had if I would have been able to move back in. So it was like kind of a, you you just got to do this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you've got nothing else. So it's interesting. Like, it seems like there's like an air necessity to a lot of this. Like, I think there's, there is a, there's typically a, a perception that when you first get your own place, you're like, yeah, this is my own place. I'm free and everything. But as, as we're all talking about, it seems like there's a lot of just, hey, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And... Like a big, the the biggest feeling is just assuming re- additional responsibility. Well, for for me, it was not so much that because my parents wanted me out of the house, 
but I think they were not super jazzed that I was moving in with my girlfriend. Like I think just you know so, it, I, they're not they're Catholic not thing, yeah like, they're not like the most traditional people, but there's like you know they felt a type of way about it. I think which is fine. I I understand that, but um but they you know I to their credit they you know let me do my own thing without you know cramping my style. <laughs> but um so I I didn't feel that kind of pressure internally ever to like get out. I mean. They wanted me out. It was it was very clear that they wanted me to get out, of my house. but it was but not in like a mean way. Just right. in like you know, it you're stagnant here, right? And uh, it wasn't like your suitcase was by the door, and you'd be like, "Why is this here?" And you put it back, and the next day it's there again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your peacock, you gotta fly. They just, yeah, <laughs> they kept just slowly moving my bed. <laughs> Why am I sleeping in the hallway, mom? <laughs> <laughs> you have stairs one day, and like Francis just sweeping where it was. It's like, oh, you're here. <laughs> Shop's closed. <laughs> <laughs> um, shall we move on to the next question or do you guys have any final thoughts on the subject uh, what was the question again uh, like, the question was what was it like the first time you moved into your own place right yeah um, do you, you, you want to put a capper on this yeah I mean capper is it's it is very freeing to move into your own place I, it took me some time to like feel like my house was my own and even sometimes I still don't feel like it's fully my own but it's very freeing but it is a major culture shock, especially when you're buying a house uh, over like an apartment or something, because there's so much more responsibility than you have. You have getting a house than you do an apartment. You you have more freedoms with a house as well, but it's like you still have to mow the lawn, you still have to do this, you still have to do that. Um, a good. So here's a, here's a question because you because I felt the same way about my house, where for a long time I call it Bill's house. Because he and he was the guy who used to live in my house, and so for a long time I didn't feel like it was my house. Like I felt like I was living in someone else. It's like you felt like you were living in your grandpa's house. Yeah. Did you, Matt, or you? Do you, Tim? Now, do you feel like it's not your house? Have has or is it? I don't know. With an apartment, they kind of do a, a reset, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of you don't. Have well, I mean, technically, stuff. I'm renting somebody's condo, so it isn't mine. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but I but you know what I mean. Like you, you're living there. It's it's your house. Yeah. Hmm. It, like it's if they, my house. If they just I, I don't in, have You would be word. pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Very much. Do you, do you do you have that sort of finality? Like this is my house. I can do you know within some restrictions whatever I want to it. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. I I haven't had that. And I think part of that is I've never lived like on my own on my own. Like I've always had roommates. Uh, I've either been with my folks or I've had at least a roommate. So any decision that I make, you know, it was either, you know, I was either sharing an apartment or I was renting from a friend of mine who owned a home or something along those lines. So I, I always had that. So even then when I moved in with, with, with Jenna and we, we got the house and, you know, we're, we're together, we're in this home, this is our house. Like there's always a, there's another entity here. I can't just like, I'm going to redo this room and I'm finally going to hang my like Liverpool f- soccer stuff all over the place yeah. like you know i do yeah um because because it's like I, I i've always felt like this is a unified thing like there are my things in this house but this is our structure yeah but do, do you feel like this is your like you i'm talking when i was right. saying you i meant you as a unit you and jenna because okay. i don't feel like obviously i don't feel like my house is my house it's okay. my it's my family's house right so that's what i mean like do okay. you feel like this house is your house and did you feel it the whole time i i felt it probably it took me a couple of months. I would say probably 
after about four or five months, probably like we moved in in the summer, like around June, mm-hmm. I would say probably by like fall when football season rolled around. Uh, uh, yeah. Typically, that's typically when I like I put my stamp I'm on old. things. <laughs> it's usually when I'm like, all right, listen, I'm just watching Red Zone for six hours. I'm like, yeah. yep, this is it. This is Casnell's house now. Yeah. So there's some things to look out for. Yeah. Just that transition period's always going to happen. Yeah. It seems. The next question. Does putting the word John in your sentence make you cooler? Uh, this is good because we have seven questions um, and we need some that are going to be quick to get through. The answer is obviously yes to this one. I think we can all move on, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I'm in, I'm... Yeah, absolutely. Th- that This John here is an easy John to finish. Uh, John absolutely makes your sentence cooler. Um, I, I've gotten contrary opinions to this from my friend David Bennett, who thinks it's kind of a tool move, and uh, that's fine because you can be wrong about things. Um, as long as you don't overuse John, mm-hmm. if you say John, what every, do you mean by that, John? Like, like, <laughs> like, like how you're doing it now to purposely sound cooler by it. saying John every statement it doesn't quite work. But it's like calling. I'm gonna go check out that John over there, and then mm-hmm. like an hour later, you say John again. There's a refresh rate for John. There's a refresh rate. Okay, there's a refractory what, period for John. <laughs> there is. There is. What is the refractory period? At what point have I have I? You Richie's get, thrown down the jauntlet. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's it. The jauntlet. One uh, hour. <laughs> You I get mean, one hour between jobs. I think that's that's reasonable, and yeah. in like a conversation, if there's a lull, like when the lull happens, you get it, you get to refresh to yeah. new John. And yeah. I also think that that rate is is variable depending on your proximity to like South Philly. Honestly, I think the further away you are, the the higher really? the refresh is because it's it's kind of like a wink and a nod to other people from your area. Like if you say John in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and one, another person understands what you said. Like now you have this kinship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you're like kind of allowed to say it a few yeah. extra times. Yeah. yeah, it's like you can say like, "Oh, I'm an Eagles fan," but if you go say "Go Birds," it's like, "Oh yeah, Go Birds." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously. All right, all right. I, I see it. That. Tim, okay. how do you feel about that, John? Oh, I love it. Yeah, that John. Yeah, man. I think we're all about it. Yeah, all about it. We'll set an hour. Yeah, that? I think an hour a- w- when you're within proximity of Philly. Yeah, because it's because like yeah, we get it. You're from Philly. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're doing a bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the next question. Uh, whew, what deceased person would be the worst to be haunted by? <laughs> uh, Tim, I'm turning this one over to you first because I feel like you have a good answer to this one. Why would I have a good answer? <laughs> I don't know. I've got a, I got a hunch. Listen, <laughs> I, I'm going with my gut here. I don't know, because my brain immediately went to, like, some evil dictator. Where I was like, that wouldn't be that bad. They can't actually do anything. It'd just be like, nine, nine. Yeah. Um, some shit. Well, I'm so thinking. I'm like a dead comedian I don't like, but I can't think oh, of Oh, I it. know. I, I'm thinking oh. uh, Charlie Chaplin. Because at first, you think it's Hitler. <laughs> and then you no, think it's funny. Hitler, and then because of the because of Rose, the mustache, yeah. <laughs> and then he puts his hat on, and then oh and then you're like, oh no, it's Charlie Chaplin, and then he's just doing antics the entire time, yeah. and you're just like, come on, dude, oh, I want to get to I would sleep. Be about it, man, you obviously didn't go to Catholic school where you had to watch royalty free movies, so you're watching a ton of Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would be fine with Charlie Chaplin though because the, like I'm. Can they talk? 
Can they talk? I mean, question. however they would haunt you. Like, okay. So yeah, talking so yeah, could talk. be fine. And that would be bad because maybe Chaplin's like just so pent up from not having his voice on anything that he's just like just talking constantly. He's like, a lot of, hey, see here they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, one, two, he's actually the land goat. Like, I don't think he's going to be like very intrusive. He's not going to harm you, but he's just going to be annoying as hell. Sean, who would be the worst person to be haunted by? Ayn Rand. Oh no! <laughs> Ayn Rand would be the worst person to be haunted by. Uh, she, by, by all accounts, well, actually, no, 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 that's not true. Honestly, because I think Ayn Rand was—I I don't agree with anything that came out of her dumb mouth. Mm. But I think that it would be somebody who like idolizes Ayn Rand now mm. and like perverts that to mean something that even she wasn't thinking about. Mm. Like, she wasn't thinking, I don't think she was thinking great things. So you don't want to be haunted by, like, Paul Ryan, Yeah, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but right. he's not dead. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is Rush Limbaugh still alive? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 man. I think all, it seems like every bad, like, person I really hate is, like, still alive. Like, it's it's the just pr- hang on. It's the Lewis Strom Black- Thurman? Strom Thurmond did live till he was like 405 <laughs> yeah, years old. It was yeah. all that racism just fueling him. Well, that's what it is. I think, I think <laughs> Tim, this is like one of your favorite um, Lewis Black quotes, which is like, the good die young, but pricks live forever. Oh, it is my favorite Lewis Black quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, that's what it is. I think it's just like uh, some combination of, of money and bigotry somehow gets you like past the 90 mark yeah. constantly. Well, yeah, because it's the money. Uh, it's the money. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The worst person to be haunted by, deceased... Um, boy, you know, it's probably a comedian of some sort and not because, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I was, th- I was just thinking that I can't remember his name. I'll think of it. Is it uh, like, I love Rodney Dangerfield, but I feel like having Rodney Dangerfield on hand at all times, <laughs> like just everything like, oh, I got no respect. No. Yeah. <laughs> this one girl, she told me to come over. There was nobody dead. home. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. no respect. Yeah. No. I, I, I would, I would agree with you. That's, yeah. I think it's, it's a, com- it's a comedian who can't let the bit die. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Literally. No respect at all. Like, uh, I see what you did there. And then you dabbed. Any other, uh, any other thoughts for deceased people that'd be terrible to have haunting you? No. no, I'm gonna stick with Ayn Rand though. I fucking I can't. I I've listened to a bunch of her talks mm-hmm. and they are just insufferable. Mm-hmm. She's just I find her very pretentious. I've never listened to any of her speeches or anything like that or public appearances. Yeah. I think she was also she also might have been into eugenics. So ooh, yeah, mm. that that not, dope shit. <laughs> not a, not ideal. <laughs> not a phenomenal thing to be into. No, but but okay. you know whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, the superior race. Um, <laughs> This the is, next, he said the superior rice, uh, yes. which is obviously long grain. The superior rice is <laughs> and rice, actually. <laughs> it's rice aroni, the San Francisco treat. Yeah. But no, cauliflower rice, guys, come on. Ooh, I do like rice cauliflower. Rice cauliflower, cauliflower rice. The second cauliflower rice <laughs> reference from Tim in the last three days, because Tim and I were talking about this on Saturday. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, why do women have so many shoes? <laughs> And as a follow-up, Tim, I told you don't submit questions to the mailbox. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I need to know. Uh, this is submitted by no. This is an SO, presumably. Why do women have so many shoes? I'm gonna. <laughs> I wasn't married. This, this is a trap, isn't it? No. It's a tra- well, well, you know, as 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 women be shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing I hear about women is that they often be shopping. They often be shopping. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think. There is it, it's because I have a decent number of shoes. I feel like I have a, a decent number of shoes for uh, your your typical American male, um, but I think it's just like I have a I, I typically I have different 
subcategories of shoes. Like, all right, this is the shoe I wear for everything. This is the shoe I wear for dress. This is the shoe I wear for casual. This is the shoe I wear for work. And this is one I wear for running or something like that. Like, there's five subsets. I think it's just there are so many more subsets that I don't think about that maybe more women do. I don't know. Well, I think it's it's the same. So I, I think the premise of this question is not great. Mm-hmm. But I but I but I think it's similar to the conversation we had when we were talking about what Tim should wear to um to brunch Keiko's to wedding. yeah to Keiko's wedding, where it's like we the the industry demands that women have a plethora of shoes. It's it is a it's a byproduct of you know this this idea that women need to be fashionable and on top of things and in service of that this whole breadth of shoes have been created mm-hmm. that are just aren't there for men i mean they are but it's not there is no social stigma to us not having like me having three or four pairs of shoes is what is like the yeah. baseline yeah. but if mary was like i have like three or four like i yeah. have like a work shoe uh play shoe yeah or whatever like she'd be, they'd be like oh but you have to look at these heels because that's the you know it's the box that we have carved out there also appears to be a thing with women's clothing in general where there is a perception that you're not allowed to wear it more than once which is bonkers it's, yeah, it's an yeah. insane waste of money <laughs> <laughs> well, it's dresses too yeah right it's everything like, like and it's, it's yeah, pretty it's, much any event you need a new dress which yeah. is crazy it's it's the issue it's the issue with the fashion industry is it like unfortunately, yeah, dictates like, oh, you need to spend all this money. You need to. Yeah, I've worn the same blazer <laughs> to every wedding I've been to since I've been. Oh, I was like nineteen. Wow, <laughs> for real, like, w- I, like, but like that's I'm allowed wish to. I could say that I got fat. It works. Oh, I got well. I got there was like a couple years in there when you I let out, wear it, and then I and then my acid <laughs> reflux kicked in. I lost a ton of weight because I couldn't eat. But then, <laughs> so now I'm back in it, baby. I have <laughs> blurb in real life. I have I have two suits. Mm-hmm. I have two suits. That's, yeah. that's it. And honestly, I don't wear them that often because I'm always in the weddings anyway. <laughs> right, right. That's the thing. Like investing in a suit for a, uh, for a guy is typically a great investment because you can wear it several times. Yeah. I can wear a suit for a job interview, uh, a wedding that I'm not in, or or any other sort of like Easter brunch yeah. or something. Well, yeah. Like. I bought a tux for uh, my proms. Because I had a, like a steady girlfriend, and it was like assumed that I was going to go to at least four, and so fiscally it made made sense for me to just buy buy the tux instead of renting it four times, yeah. Because it's going to be about the same anyway, and then it's mine. But like, uh, but uh, the girl I was dating at the time had to buy four different dresses, uh, yeah. and they're ludicrous. all crazy. Exp- they're even mm-hmm. buying just the one dress is definitely more than I would have spent to rent the tux. Right. So much more. It's right. crazy. Yeah. God, it sucks. Yeah. Sorry, ladies. Yeah. That's terrible. This is, yeah, this is one of those things It's like there's no getting around. It's just like, dude, there, there's no rational explanation for why that's the case. Yeah, because regardless of how we feel about it, there's still a whole yeah. industry based on you feeling bad about not having as many. Yeah. So there's absolutely a point where they start to internalize it. And it's like, yes, yeah. we hit the point that like they definitely need like they can't get by with three pairs of shoes. That just doesn't fucking work. It doesn't go with all of their different outfits. But at some point it's like, no, this shoe works perfect with these three dresses. And it's like, yeah, but we're going to this event. I need this kind of shoe. And it's like And it's something that it's it's it pounded into your head over the course of time, like you said, right? It's it's also like the BS of the shoe itself. Like if you're going to an outdoor thing, they can't wear high heels when they're on a field because the heel's gonna dig into the ground. So then it's like, oh well, if it's a if I have a pair of high heels that matches these dresses, but then well, I need to wear flats because it's out in the field instead, or I need to wear this because it's fashion sucks. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolute garbage. 
Um, yeah. That's Sorry, it. women, that you be shopping. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You know what? Women be shopping. But you look good. Yeah. I think the full extension is women be shopping, and it's really endemic of the capitalist society. <laughs> that we're in. Um, too true. Too you true. know, just buy some vans, and you'll be fine, in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> you, you have your dress yeah. Chuck Taylors, and then your casual Chuck Taylors. Yeah, we are we are allies here in the shoe industry. Yeah, we're, we're going to make you two shoes. <laughs> we're going to make you two. We're all brose two shoes. <laughs> if, if if my feet could fit in Chuck Taylors, the entire wedding party would be wearing Chuck Taylors, like nice. both sides. Buddy, we got to talk about this. We got to make this happen. I got fat feet. They don't oh, fucking fit. Yeah. So do they're, I, and I used to wear Chuck. Do they make they're, them like in wides or something? Like that's the other I'll part about shoes in general. Like I, I've, I'm lost on, which is like I'm I'm like a twelve and a half to a thirteen or something like that. But there's like twelve and a half D, twelve and a half E, twelve and a half C. And again, I'm I'm turning this into how this affects me because I'm selfish. But like I I I, I get lost on shoe sizings so quickly. Like if, if once you're outside of what the numbers are, I'm done. Like yeah, I'm out. I don't know what any of that means. So, yeah. Yeah, like just, my dad's a 14 double E or oh something gosh, fucking geez. weird like that. Is your dad Dikembe Mutombo? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just got really wide feet. They're just wow. like really muscular. Oh, because of the wideness. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about the next question, guys? What has been? Oh my God, shoes. 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 What has been your favorite concert experience? What has been your favorite concert experience? <laughs> oh, I know. Hmm. It was when we went, Matt, you and I, and I think Jenna and your brother, we went to see Kohi did uh, their first album. Second stage, Sure by Blade. Uh, front to back. It yep. was like the 10 year anniversary, I think. That's right. That was maybe my favorite concert experience because I love that album. They did an acoustic set before, mm-hmm. I think, and then like a, a regular set after. It was mm-hmm. so it was just like three hours of just Coheed playing, and they were so good. Yep. And it was just it was you know, and it was just a show for fans. Like mm-hmm. you like this band, you're gonna like everything they play. Yep. And they played like deep cuts. They played a B side from uh, like an unreleased song from Second Stage. Just so good. It was mm-hmm. that's maybe my favorite concert experience because it's it's one of the few times I've been like. Because I think there is, uh, there's always going to be those songs that you really take it or leave it. But they played every single song I wanted to hear, and it was amazing. And they sound so good live. They are such good musicians. <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a it was a tour de force of like everything Coheed. Yeah, there was and no th- opener. The opener was them. As yeah, you said. yeah. Uh, it was awesome. It was a lot. It was one of those. It was one of those. Like, yeah, it was one of those shows that you go to and you leave wanting to create something mm-hmm. like you're like i want to go play guitar i want to write a song like yeah. it's that and i think that's really a good that's what i want that's what you want out of a show right? yeah um tim what has been your favorite concert experience there's a ton of concerts i've been to that it's just like i love that band i love every song and it's just fucking fantastic but i think my favorite experience was uh going and seeing census fail at the electric factory Ooh. with uh one of my coworkers, and it was pretty much like the only show that I've gone to and been able to just completely let myself go mm-hmm. and just like in the mosh pit, out of the mosh pit, throwing people like, well, I didn't throw people, but <laughs> I was thrown. But it doesn't matter because it was fucking awesome. And that's probably my favorite show. Wow. Okay. Senses fail. I've, I haven't heard of their music in, in a while, but I, I, I feel like I've heard that they put on a really good show. Like that—that that was one of the like one of the bands from the that era that was just like wild. Like, yeah, real high energy. Like years ago, and he's like, "We're doing a new album." That was three years ago now. <laughs> Rich, how about you? Oh man, this is this is a tough one. Um, I I don't I don't know. I, I, I it's it's hard. I've seen so many good concerts. 
Uh, I, I'm, I keep falling back to, uh, Paul McCartney at Firefly. Ooh, that was cool. Ooh, I saw uh, him, uh, too. He's, he's, he's fucking crushes it. He's called yeah. Paul McCartney. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, uh, the other one I was thinking of is I actually, I saw, uh, Bon Jovi, uh, like the year or two prior to then. So it was like four or five years ago that I saw Bon Jovi and it was then Fire, uh, Firefly with Paul McCartney like two years later. But it was Paul McCartney when he did uh, Live and Let Die. Mm-hmm. Especially when the uh, the fireworks started, yes. me me and Vince are sitting there and we're just sitting down watching, and the fireworks go and me and Vince just both jump up. Now yeah. you guys know I've got my ankle issues and I don't <laughs> get up that fast. I was up faster than I've ever but been up wings, in my life. Baby. <laughs> it was amazing. And then I was like, "Oh shit! I didn't know they covered this." And then Vince is like, "No, they don't cover this. This is awesome. Rolling Stones covers this." I was like. Mm. Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I hate Rolling Stones. Paul McCartney is a cheat code because it's just like, he's been doing this for so long and he's been, like, Wings was a good band, his solo stuff has been great, and obviously he is the Beatles, so it's just like, his 30th song is just like, oh my god, this is like the the 10th best Beatles song, and he's just whipping this out as like the 30th song of the night, like, middle of the set, like, it's it's unfair. Yeah. Look, I, I know this question is your best concert moment, right? Is that what it is? Um, uh, Let me double check. What was it? What was your favorite concert experience? Experience. Yeah. That same concert is also, or that same show is also my least favorite experience, when Hey Jude ran 35 minutes long. Oh my god. Oh, because fuck. it was just... Now the boys, hey Jude, nah, nah. now the girls, nah, now the left side, come on Paul, play another song. <laughs> Meanwhile, like Zed's waiting backstage, like, come on Paul, yeah, yeah. let's go. Yeah, White Panda, whatever, is like, come on, I just wanna... and, and the... yeah. As far as my favorite experience, boy, Coheed's been great, had some great shows, um... Uh, Rise Against put on an awesome show when I was in high school. Like they were just wild. It was when they were doing um, Suffer and the Witness. Mm-hmm. Um, they put on a really, really tight show. I think as far as favorite concert experience, it was um, like the, the 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 most fun I've had and the most exhilarated I've been because like I typically go to a concert not just for the musicianship, but I, I love that rush of energy. It's like yeah. an adrenaline high. Um, and the second time, I believe it was the second time I went to see Enter Shikari. Was probably that time. Tim was with me. I don't know if you two were. I, I don't think you were. Mm-hmm. But it was at the. Is this the, where we dropped Alex to drop yes. him off to get alcohol, yes. and then we just kept circling around the block. Yeah. So we wanted to, we wanted to, to have a couple of drinks before we went into pregame, and so instead of going to the bar at the uh, at the venue, which would have cost a lot of money, we <laughs> we went and dropped Alex off at like the closest liquor store, and then drove around the block twice while he went and got like a bottle of like jack or something and so then we had like drinks in the parking lot and then went into the show and enter shikari for those who don't know they're like they're a british hardcore band that has a ton of electronics and sampling they're like bring me the horizon but with like more much more politically charged lyrics and their musicianship is spot on and they've got a like a sense of humor too um but their live shows are just wild and they there's a ton of lights and uh, I think the the moment that defined it for me was Tim had told me beforehand that he had listened to a couple of Enter Shikari songs and he said, uh, I was like, Tim, when are we going to crowd surf you? I was, again, assuming that we're just going to crowd surf Tim. And Tim <laughs> said, only when they play Destabilize. And so the second song is Destabilize. <laughs> and you're going up. And so that's it. And then and it looks like, today for the very first time. And so he, he shines. of course, Tim's like, and he's gone. And he's up in the front and everything. I didn't even get that far. I got three people up mm-hmm. because we were on the edge of the uh, like circle pit that was going yeah. on. 
And they, I got like three people up, and then somebody tried to pass me into the circle, and I almost <laughs> fell on my head. <laughs> Their third song, by the end of the third song, the lead singer had gotten a guitar, and he there's a there's a railing or, or a, a barrier that runs sort of through the left third of the TLA, and he just had by the third song he'd already walked out on top of it and was like doing like a sing along in the middle of the crowd after the song had ended, and they went right from that to a. Uh, a song that opens with a one minute long, like basically like an EDM uh, rave beat, and then the bass drop is not a bass drop; it is the the guitar coming in, and it's just it was just so much. It was awesome. Like it, that was that was they they put on an incredible show. Even now, uh, they're in they're in the United States like once every like three years, and they they put on a hell of a show. Yeah. Was that the show with Dude Bro Sweet Bro? That might have been the show with Dude Bro Street Bro. There's there's a character they ran into who was just like explain this to me because I I know Dude Bro Street Bro but I can't remember why we start calling him that. So I'm not a particularly tall dude, and this guy comes up to me for like I don't even remember who the openers were, but it was before Shikari came out. Yeah, and he he comes up to me, clearly skips legs day leg day, but has never skipped biceps ever. <laughs> And he's got his popped pink polo on, Ralph Lauren, and he's just like, yeah, I'm super hype. If I see somebody with a white shirt, I'm fucking their day up. <laughs> to which point, I like point at somebody to get him to look away, and I turn around to Tim Bulger, who's wearing a white shirt under his like plaid button-up, but yeah. his button-up's not buttoned. I'm like, dude, button up your shirt. <laughs> dude, bro, sweet bro's coming. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, dude, they're going in the fucking mosh. They're going in. I'm gonna ruin them. Blah, blah. And, and then, like, he goes into the pit, and we never see him again. Yeah. Dude, bro, sweet bro, uh... Rip. <laughs> RIP. I'm assuming he's dead. Uh, yeah, that was the other part, is that, like, they have these, like, rave sections, and then they immediately go into a mosh pit. Like, it's just... They're, they're, they're wild. Um... Yeah, and any other final thoughts on the concert yeah. experience? I so as a as an as a as a secondary, mm-hmm. not uh, we Mary and I went and saw um, we saw the Mountain Goats. Yes, uh, a while ago, and they are her favorite band, and it was one of my favorite concert experiences just because it's really nice to watch someone purely enjoy something. Mm-hmm. Like I like them too, and they're they're fine. They're really good. They're I think they're a really good band, but she they're her favorite. Sure. Like bar none, yeah. and so she was just fucking into it. And we were like, <laughs> I think there was a person in front of us, and then the stage. So mm-hmm. we were like, you know, we we could if we wanted to, and we're weird, could have touched John Darnielle, who is the singer. <laughs> Probably like, all right with it. Yeah, but it was just like, but she was just so into it, and just so un like unequivocally happy for that whatever hour, two hours that we watched them. That it was just very nice, That's and cool. it's also like a chill, like it's a more chill. So you can kind of like take it in mm-hmm. because it's not you know you're not moshing to uh, a song about getting an abortion or whatever. <laughs> Typically, no, <laughs> not for that. Um, I do have to say the first time we saw Coheed, uh, they uh, they opened with "Welcome Home," and I thought that was just cheating. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You just go go to eleven immediately. Yeah, because we had talked about it like on the drive up. I was with Jenna and um, Tim Bolger and our other friend Bea. And we were talking on the drive up, like, what do you think they're going to open with? We're like, oh, keeping secrets or like, you're picking these obscure songs. Nope. Fucking welcome home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just unhitching un- <laughs> un- the trailer immediately. <laughs> this um, way you get the non-fans out of there so the rest of the fans can actually enjoy yeah. it. And then they played 10 Speed, which is one of my favorites. So I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is my favorite band. Oh, wow. Um, is that Shrooms? No, that was, um, Shrooms guy was Year of the Black Rainbow. 
Yeah, okay. that was like three. I think it was like a second or third time we'd saw them. That was at the electric factory. Yeah, um, shrooms guy was outside of the electric factory selling us shrooms, trying to sell us shrooms every single time we walked by. Yeah, because we were just. I think we were trying to find somebody or something, so we went into the parking lot and then left the parking lot. Yes. Oh no, we went into the parking. We lot. We didn't move. Yeah, he circled the parking lot. Yeah, shrooms, shrooms. shrooms. It's just a big, big guy in a white t-shirt going like shrooms, shrooms, shrooms. That's, that's like at. Oh, you got to do it right. Shrooms. Yo, at- yeah, 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 yeah. Shrooms. Yo, man, you want some shrooms? Oh, that's. <laughs> I thought he did like the real, like the real short voice, no, like shrooms you're, thing. You're but, thinking of no. Firefly. He kept cutting through our oh, uh, campsite yeah. every day. Shrooms, shrooms. That's right. Just I, walking through the campsites. <laughs> but the, the, the best part of Shrooms guy at the Coheed show was not that he was trying to offer shrooms at, that before the show, but after the show, the same guy was trying to buy shrooms. <laughs> Yo, man, anybody got any shrooms? shrooms? A lot of shrooms. Look, if, <laughs> if I learned them all. If I learned anything from uh, Breaking Bad, and I have not watched it at all, I just know one thing. You don't use your own product. No, absolutely so, not. Uh, <laughs> I think he was trying to buy back stock at a, at a discount or something. <laughs> yeah. um, the, next, the next question. If, oh no. if you had to eat the meat of any of the original 150 Pokemon, who, which one would it be and why? <laughs> oh. oh no! Um, the answer is Snorlax because it's the most. Well, actually, no, no that's not true. No, it's gonna be too fatty. fatty yeah. It's well, very fatty. Yeah. Well, I, I have a side question to this. If you ate the little leaf bulb off of Bulbasaur, would you be a vegetarian or a meat eater? Vegetarian. If you just ate the bulb, I think it's a vegetarian. Yeah, but I, it co- I was going to say Bulbasaur because he's grass fed. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so can Tauros. He is just a. Buffalo, like, yeah, but he's too—he's like, too, he's too tough. He's That's part of the answer. Yeah, hmm. Tauros is good because you get the lean meat and a little bit of the flabbiness. Um, he has the two tails, so I'm sure that does something with the rump pros. By the way, if your answer is Hitmonchan, you're a fucking psycho. <laughs> if your <laughs> answer is one of the humanoid ones, <laughs> yeah, my champ, the one with the pants. <laughs> <laughs> The one with the pants. Jinx. Yes, Jinx. Oh, God. Who <laughs> is a, a full dress. Yeah, yeah, full dress. Yeah, no, this is mine. I want it. <laughs> Mr. Mime. Yeah. Mr. Mime, Mr. Mime. <laughs> um, Rich, who would you pick? Uh, it would have to be Tauros. It would be Tauros. Yeah. That's a good that Tauros or like Krabby. That seafood ones are, yeah, Krabby's yeah. a good one. Get some Maybe shelf. Magikarp. Yeah. Magikarp. Big, right? Yeah. Magikarps are like large. Oh, yeah, they are. They're, it's like a, it's like a Kingler. Yeah, Ooh, Kingler's yeah. good because you get that big crab. Like, oh my god, that huge claw! Yeah, claw. Yeah, it's not a crab; it's a claw. <laughs> he and, is a crab. And they're, they're you, were, you were pantomiming. He was pantomiming a claw. I knew what he was trying. <laughs> and to I say. said crab. I mean, he's also a huge crab. <laughs> it's true. You <laughs> it get everything, true. but you get that like that delicious boy. If you had, if you were a seafood restaurant in Pokemon, and and you saw, like that that has to be like the thing. Like we have like the finest. The finest Kingler in Cerulean City, yeah, and it's just like the the Kingler claw is like the special. That's, that's our Dratini sashimi is phenomenal. Ooh. That's Ooh. the thing though. In Pokemon World, you are not allowed to eat Pokemon. Like there are mm-hmm. other creatures in Pokemon that are not Pokemon. That's bull. Like you never donuts. see another huh? creature like jelly donuts. They're yeah, jelly like donuts. jelly donuts. <laughs> jelly donuts. <laughs> what? That's a deep cut. That's a deep Pokemon cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> no, because doesn't Brock make like a specific point of saying he's a vegetarian because he, he respects Pokemon he too much? He eats what he feeds the Pokemon, like they're the little treats. Yeah, yeah, so. like the little pelts and the stuff Pokemon that he feeds food. them. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's probably Tauros. 
uh, because Mill Tank is not in the original 150. <laughs> oh, no. So it doesn't count. Right. Yeah. So I, I will go Taurus as well. Magikarp is a very close second because I get a nice seared front. Yeah, you can, you can get a huge. And also, I, yeah, I feel like it'd be easy. Like you, yeah. can get a, you just need an old <laughs> like, rod. Yeah. Like wrangling a Taurus could be a problem. Magikarp would just that, be like, splash. That, oh, no. That koi steak that you can get from that Magikarp, man, mm. that, that'd just be tons of food. What about um, uh, Shelter? Oh yeah, like a like a little clam. clams. Yeah, clams, clam. yeah, yeah. Clam I feel, but sometimes clams are like mucusy. They're they even kind of gross. Maybe like an oyster. Yeah, high quality giant oyster. Ooh, like a oyster. <laughs> oyster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. All right. So Tauros, uh, Magikarp. Any other thoughts on which one we'd eat? Uh, I think the question is trying to get us to say like we'd eat Pikachu. Or something like no, that. Well, that's not the, that doesn't make the most sense. No, no. <laughs> Logically, you're like, how would Pikachu taste so? Like, it's it a mouse. Be... I ate squirrel once, yeah. so probably like that. Okay, yeah. squirrel tastes kind of like uh, more like gamey chicken. Yeah, it's, it's like a, mm. okay. a lighter meat. So probably that's it's probably like what venison, but yeah. chicken version. Yeah, so probably like that. <laughs> Is there a chicken Pokemon? Torchic. Oh yeah, yeah. this later in Deli Bird. Deli Bird. Yeah, yeah. See a chicken. Deli Bird's a penguin. No. What? Big what? tail Del- shaped like a sack. Or Deli something. Bird's the one with the sack. Yeah. With the bag. Yeah, it's he's definitely a- more of like a penguin. Yeah. I think I he's know. close. He's he closer could, to penguin than he is listen, chicken. Listen, we'll we'll check this out. He's not yeah, Emporion, but if he can like, learn fly, on. fuck you. He's not a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's a what's that one? There is a penguin one. Uh, yeah, Emporion. Yeah. Um, there's a few, I think. Yeah, uh, I I wonder if you could eat like a Porygon <laughs> or something like that. Like he's just digital. Like, I feel like it tastes like rock candy. <laughs> no, that would be uh, you're eating a like polygon. <laughs> that would be Onyx. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much depth of flavor. The last question we have was submitted by my brother Alex Casnell. If you had to assign one album, one film, and one book for the American curriculum, i.e., everyone has to experience them at some point. What would they be and why? And P.S. I am unabashedly stealing this question from an episode of Hot Ones. A book, a movie, and an album that not necessarily in the American curriculum, not necessarily one that everybody has listened to, viewed, read, whatever, but that you want everybody to and you think it would be important. Sean, let will start with you. Okay. Well, I was supposed to be thinking about this and I forgot to. <laughs> I, I think that's everybody. Yeah. But yeah. I, okay. I'm, I'm, maybe I'll, I'll go with one. So I think, um, in in the aeroplane over the sea, by Neutral Milk Hotel, it's good. Is a very good concept album, and I think you can do a lot with the different, uh, like metaphor and different uh, turns of phrases, and how it's it's a, it would be it's a good it's very poetic in the language. Like the, it has a very simple in terms of musically, it's kind of simple, but in terms of the density of the lyrics. I think it's you. There's a lot to be taught from that, and I also think it's just fucking good album. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of It's yeah, nice. Do you guys want to do all one? Like everybody just says their album, then everybody says the book, and then that, everybody says that their... might be easier. To, yeah, then we get we get time to think about the next thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. All right, because I'm racking my brain and I still can't think of others, but I do have an album. Okay, what's your album? Um, American Idiot by Green Day. Okay, I think that's like. An all-around good album, especially, like, if we're talking American curriculum, um, it, they did go, very, like, relatively political, but they, the songs throughout the album are, like, both up and down. They reach multiple spectrums, in my opinion, plus you got the two long ones that have, 
like so many different breaks and changes. Yeah, and they have like th- movements. Yeah, good yeah. old Saint Jimmy. Uh, that I think they're they're like really good albums to learn musicianship and plus to understand the times of when they were released. So mm. it could be more like a history thing to listen to these albums as well. That's true. Mm-hmm. They were good window into the Bush years. Absolutely yeah. a slice of life kind of like. Or the H.W. Bush. Or the W. Bush years. The w. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you could probably even use them for this time of year, these years as well. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, what do you think for your album? Uh, my album is, it's not like a spectacular album or anything like that, but I'm going to go with Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Okay. Uh, and primarily because normally when you think curriculum you think educational historical blah 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 but for me hybrid theory was really good on an emotional level and a mental state level because i didn't feel alone okay i guess so it's 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 not a happy album Mm -hmm. like but that was it, that's it, also very that, much a period like like Green Day, very much representative of a period of time as well. Hybrid theory, like yeah. That that style of music, that style of lyric as well. Um, I I think that there's there's pieces of that album still in today's music, but I think that that specific album is very emblematic of like turn of the millennium, like modern hard rock too. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, it's just great. A ton of albums. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. It also like. For, it holds up. Yes. It's still like it's, it's a good it's, pop it's, album. It's very nostalgic, but it, it like I I can there because there are albums from our youth. We talked about this before that I I listen to. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, like because yeah. they're so like not great in terms mm. of musicianship, and like it's kind of cringy, right? Like re- reaching for being emotional, but it, I mean, every it's good. It's Points of Authority album. still fucks. It's like, a, that's a pretty good song. <laughs> paper cut, dope as hell. Oh yeah, that I love that. Yep. One. Love that one. Lincoln Park is looking. I think they're going to be releasing a new album soon. Are they? They're really? working on an album. Wow. Even I mean, without Chester, I was. I was say that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know they said that they were looking for a new uh, vocalist, but I don't think they landed on a vocalist. Did yet. you see how what they did? They did like a tribute show, and it was like everybody in Lincoln Park, and they had a rotating crew of singers. So like, I think M Shadows was one of the singers. Jonathan Davis showed up. And I think they went outside of the normal like hard rock realm as well. But it was kind of cool. Like everybody had. Uh, I think you know Mark Hoppus did a song. I think. I think too, so. I think did this might I might be making this up, but I feel like someone like Alanis Morissette sang a song. Or like somebody in that possibly. Like, yeah. Like a female pop artist mm-hmm. or like indie. Yeah, I I've this is a little bit of recency bias because I was just listening to this album the other day, but I thought through and through this album is really good. Um, musically, lyrically, and everything, and it's the album Beggars by Thrice. Um, Thrice, when they started out, were very, like, like heavy metal emo, which is a weird combination in itself. And then throughout the course of their career became, they, they got very experimental. And they, they, at this point in their career, when they put out Beggars, they had just put out four EPs that represented, like, the elements of Earth. It was, like, Earth, Air, Fire, and Water. And so they did, like, six songs for each element. And it was, like, very proggy and very, like out there and then this album was the next album they did after that which is almost them distilling all of this weird experimentation they did into a one cohesive album and musically it's great it's aggressive without being just like straight overdrive all the time the way that their first couple albums have been and lyrically it is amazing um dustin kenstrew as a lyricist became a, a great poet 
and somebody who is able to tie like political views to very like to, to make them very universal like he had very universal thoughts on like listen you politicians believe that you're you're powerful but like do you command the sun to rise like you know to show me your real power when it comes to this and and had religious elements without browbeating you with religion the way that like you know you might hear with um i don't know just name a band creed um <laughs> But, like, they were spiritual and passionate about religion in a way that was exploratory and very, like, uh, not, again, not browbeating, but very introspective and very much, um, like, respectful of the power of nature or power of... It, you, you could easily substitute in, you know, whatever belief you have to any reference, uh, non-explicit reference Dustin Kensu has to his to his Christian faith... Like it, it's just really good, and musically, it's 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 a nice combination of like it's aggressive and very. The quiet songs they do are better than their harder rocking songs, which is wild to me. So it's it's just it's very very good poetry, and I, I enjoy it a lot. So yeah, yeah, beggars, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who has a good? You want know, to do book? How about we do movie next? Who has okay. a good movie they want everybody to see? Tim, how about you? Schindler's List. Okay. Strong pick. Compassion. Like, Mm -hmm. you are literally part of, like, I don't want to say the regime, but you're, like, kind of in a position of power, and clearly you're on the, like, upper end of the scale, I guess, and it's just like, oh, something is going fucking terribly wrong, and I don't have to do anything, but having that moral compass to be like, I need to fix this, I I, I can't fix everything, but I can do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that one, and and that's... It's one of the greatest movies ever made, and it's it's that's a, that's a good message to send with any film. Um, Sean, do you have a, a film that you think you want everybody to see? Film, I think I would want everyone to see. I was hoping something would come to me. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'm, I can come back to you if you want. I'll, I'll jump in. Please I'm gonna do. cheat a little bit on this one. It's not per se a single film. Don't say Endgame. No, it is a. Oh my god, that, it, that movie was dope. That <laughs> movie is dope. But oh no, because Endgame, you need to see multiple things to watch. I would not say it would be a good thing for the curriculum, but I'm going to go along with the World War II aspect with Tim, because this is a beautiful set of episodes, like it's a miniseries, Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's Very good. filming is great, story is great. Historically, I think it's pretty damn accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just all out a good set of movies or a good set of episodes which are like an hour long so you could say it's like 10 movies um but if that's not acceptable i'd say saving private ryan as well yeah good more movies yeah i'm i'm gonna go way off of the dial on this one and i would i would make everybody watch the naked gun because (laughs) the naked gun is fucking hilarious it's one of the greatest comedies of all time and the style of comedy that they employ is not easily duplicated and it is not frequently duplicated. There's a the TV show that came out Rashida Jones was in it called Angie Tribeca which was very uh, I I loved that show. It's basically The Naked Gun 2015 or whatever whenever that show came out. Like, <laughs> when they when they had the scene where there was the heist in the um the the art gallery mm-hmm. and the dog barked at the painting of <laughs> the mailman. Yeah. 
I, that show won greatest show ever. It's, to me. it's really good. It's really good. And, and the Naked Gun is like that. It's just it's just jokes. It's just there are jokes packed everywhere. Every yeah. scene is a joke. Whether it's a it's a it's whether it's verbal comedy or like you know there's a scene where Leslie Nielsen, uh, Frank Drebin's character, the lieutenant, is walking through a door, and instead of walk, and then his partner's walking with him, but instead of walking through the door, he walks like in front of it, like around, like it's obviously a set piece, and he mm-hmm. walks around it, like just that like that stuffing that much comedy into one like movie is is i i want it also to see this. it set the stage for the kind of comedy that exists now where it's like machine gun comedy like yes. like sturdy rock is a really good example of that when yeah. it's literally every thing they're doing is a joke yes and it never stops mm-hmm. but and you know that can be that's great <laughs> yes i want that i want like if you're watching a comedy more comedy is always good yeah, for yeah. Me. um what about airplane matt See, I like Airplane, but I, I saw the Naked Gun first, so I'm, I'm going to go with Naked Gun. And also, and also because it's like a police procedural, like I think police, like every, like for, for, for valid reasons for a lot of the time, every cop show is like a very serious endeavor. And I just like something that like sends that up and, and mm-hmm. makes it hilarious. I, I know you were saying this like as a joke while we were taking the quick break, but I was totally expecting you to say like Thumbtanic. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say <laughs> Thumbtanic. I was going to say Thumb Wars. Well, Rich, I, you say what I'd add to the curriculum. Obviously, <laughs> Thumbtanic is already part of the average American curriculum. Right, right. As it should I be. I don't want to duplicate anything here. That's why I haven't said Catcher in the Rye for my book or anything right, like that. It's the right. same thing. Catcher in the Rye, Thumbtanic, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's made of Damata. Uh, Sean, do you have a, a thought for a movie now? Yes. I, I thought about it. And I would say, I think The Matrix, mm, okay. the original yeah. Matrix, because in terms of storytelling and like, the um the the innovations that they did with actual filmmaking so the camera the different like that it, there's so much i think that you could not just about you know storytelling but about making a movie that i, I think you can really yeah i can agree that that is the the original matrix is probably one of the better movies of all time like mm-hmm. in terms of movies in yeah actual, movies. like i mean like not in, not maybe not the best written or anything, but it is definitely like in terms of movie making, one of I think yeah. the tent poles. Yeah. Um, how about books? Does anybody have a pick for one book? And, and, I mean, book it seems to be like the most common part of the American curriculum anyway. So there's a pretty hefty amount there. Yeah. Tim, Tim says he has a pick. Uh, so mine is called Little Brother by Corey Doctorow. Okay. And more or less. Like you, you, everyone's familiar with the idea of Big Brother with like 1984 and all that stuff. But, uh, Little Brother is kind of the idea of the common person fighting back against a government that's out of control. I've also never read 1984, so I only know that, like, that's double plus on good, Tim. <laughs> I done do good. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, it, it's great because it, it centers around teenagers who, refuse to let the government control them or anyone and they just use their knowledge of technology and even if it's just like grassroots small stuff and just fighting back any way they can for the freedom of the people that's good that's cool i've I've never heard of that book before that sounds really interesting Mm -hmm. yeah i just literally picked it out of a barnes and noble i was like that looks cool i'm gonna read it yeah um, my pick, I'm, I'm going to pick one that's in a lot of curriculums, but it, it's one that I really like. It's all the presidents, man. Mm. Um, I, I, it's, it's still to me and, and I won't claim to have read a ton of books about journalism, uh, since college, but like 
it's it's one of the best books about reporting and uh, best products of reporting that I've I've ever seen. Like and, and the idea of it's in a similar way of of being the you know for Tim's for Tim's book, uh, little brother being like the little guy holding it to the the powers that be. This is the what the whole point of journalism is. This is the whole point of that section of the of public service essentially is to hold powerful people accountable for their actions to to doggedly report things and to as as deep throat said follow the money um and the fact that it was these basically these two essentially unknown reporters who got a good tip and just ran with it and and you know beat it into the ground and drove every lead into the dirt um and and were called out a couple times for getting stuff wrong uh, that was that was the essential part and I think something that that we could learn a lot from in, in in media today, which is if you get a couple of small things wrong, like that is not great. Like as a journalist, you 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 sort of have to have that dogged that dogged and 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 this passion for getting every little fact correct. But that doesn't mean that your whole story is false. And if you have a conviction and you and you believe that, hey, in this case, I, I forget exactly what fact it was that Woodward and Bernstein had gotten wrong, but essentially their editor said, listen, this is bad, but like if you still think that Nixon did this, like keep reporting it. Like don't let this and don't let the blowback from this from the administration sidetrack you from from nailing the story down. So I, I think we could use that, which is like, you know, just because there's one or two small factors of a story that are incorrect. That doesn't mean that the whole body of an investigative piece is, is wrong. So I, I just really liked it. It's a, it's a great story. And I think especially the, the idea of journalists being that that is their job is to hold powerful people accountable is really salient today. Um, yeah. Is it rich Sean? Um, all right. I don't have a lot of book reading experience. I don't read a lot of them. Um, but one of the books that is that I've read that I want to reread again, it's got great storytelling and it's very descriptive, which is my biggest issue is if it's not if the book is not very descriptive, I have a hard time seeing what the author is trying to tell me. This is uh Walking Dead, The Rise of the Governor. Okay. It's written by a horror writer and a comic book writer. So it's like they know how to be descriptive to tell you what you need to feel. And it's n- uh, only zombies only have a small portion of it. It's like got societal uh, issues. It's got like anxiety from one of the main characters. It's got like like situational problems. So like it's got a ton of stuff that I feel like would be good for a student to read. Plus, it is entertaining and very descriptive for those children and those kids, students who like don't really like reading because of the lack of descriptive. That's good. Capabilities. Yeah, and a good narrative story. Like if you, if you have a good story, like the teaching people the art of good storytelling, I think is really good. Is really yeah. crucial as well. Yeah. Sean, what do you have? Um, so I was thinking. So my maybe my favorite author of all time is Stephen King. Like he really mm. got me into reading. Um, and I would say Carrie. Okay. Is probably in terms of if I'm trying to teach it to kids in a curriculum, that would probably be the one I go to because it deals with like basically the whole. You know, so she's psychic or whatever. She is telekinesis, and it's an allegory for puberty. And I think it's very relatable. And there's a lot of like really good points about bullying. And there's an airplane, 
Yeah, yeah, I forgot to close the window. Oh, well. that's okay. <laughs> I don't remember if there's airplane in Carrie. I don't think so. But I think I think it's it's really relatable because I read it. I think I was like eighteen or nineteen, just coming off of that kind of high school experience, and it's very it's very relatable to that specific time. Mm-hmm. It's and it's also maybe like the least questionable stuff happen. I think. Okay, I might be wrong. <laughs> of a Stephen King book. Yeah. All right. No, that's, these are good picks. These are good picks. Yeah. So the 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 curriculum of the American okay, of the so American public is what would set. so you would add? I'd as... add beggars by thrice. Um, I would put the Naked Gun, and I would put uh, all the President's Men. And Richie Green Day or American Idiot by Green Day. Um, uh, Band of Brothers, the series, and um, Walking Dead: uh, Rise of the Governor. Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, Schindler's List, and Little Brother by Cory Doctorow. Uh, In the Airplane Over the Sea mm-hmm. by Neutral Milk Hotel, uh, The Matrix by the Wachowski siblings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, I Carrie. forgot what Carrie yeah. by Stephen King. I was yeah. I was like, I was trying to pick a Stephen King. I was almost there. Nah. I, we almost did it perfectly. <laughs> and I, uh, I completely forgot what I had suggested <laughs> when he came to me. I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter with your additions to the curriculum. Um, before we wrap up, though, uh, we're going to debut a new segment called Hot Takes. <sighs> So listen, you you in the audience, the gentle listener, our significant others, pose questions to us uh, on a weekly basis, uh, quizzing us on all manner of things. And, and it's sort of, you know, it's a good mental exercise for us because we jump from questions like, you know, when did, you know, what was your first moving experience to a political question, to a music question, to, to, shoes. A, to a shoes question, <laughs> to who, you know, what food would you build your house out of? It's, it's a good mental exercise. But listen, there are many colors in our rainbow and there are things that we get passionate about that you might not necessarily uh, broach us uh, with a question about, but we, we, we feel the need to get them off our chest. So we're going to introduce this hot takes segment where one of us. <laughs> Takes. We'll, <laughs> is it every time? Take takes. I'm going to do it at the conclusion of every take, too. <laughs> uh, one, one, each week, one of us will present a take, uh, and we will we'll spend a couple of, uh, a couple of minutes, not, not an extensive length of time, but this is an area to workshop your thoughts and uh, to, to present something that you think would be beneficial to the, to the listenership at large. Sean, you have volunteered to have our inaugural hot take. Hot take. Oh Okay, so my hot take is I will fucking ride or die by Sonic 2019. <laughs> hot takes. Everyone can go fuck themselves. And initially, it was a bit. I was just like, it's funny how much everyone hates this, but it has become just the fucking epitome of nerd entitlement. Where <laughs> it's getting real. All I right. got so mad about this. Bring, bring I'm like around. in bed with Mary, like fuck it. <laughs> Talking about the Sonic 2019. It's like that meme of like um like the, the the woman turned away, going like I think he's cheating on me, and then Sean going like the furry Sonic is fine. Jim Carrey's great. <laughs> That's it is. So oh my god, it makes me so mad. So initially, yeah, I was just like, it's gonna be it's gonna be dumb and fine, and I will like it. But the second that uh, Paramount decided to reanimate Sonic. So if you don't know, Sonic is a hedgehog who goes fast. That's all you need to know. That's it. <laughs> he's got to go fast. He's got to go fast. Got to go fast. And uh, he's there's a movie coming out this year, uh, and and he is animated. Everyone else is real, uh, and he looks 
uh, fucking grotesque. Yes. <laughs> I will be the first to admit. His human teeth, Sean. Yes. His, <laughs> his eyes are separate from each other. Listen, um, yeah. Listen, I, I understand this. I am, I am 100% on board with the fact that this grotesquerie should not exist. However, the fact that the outcry caused uh, Paramount to... is Paramount's going to reanimate Sonic to try to make him closer to what fans want, which is going to cause an animation studio to, under a time crunch, have to reanimate an entire fucking film because of fucking whiny, piss baby nerds <laughs> who were like, it's not what I wanted him to look like. His eyes are too far apart. He has one fucking eye. He's a, he's a fucking hedgehog, blue hedgehog, who runs fast, who gives a shit. Let it fucking exist. It's not for you. It's a children's movie. You fucking 30-year-old c- God damn it. Sean, I know you're talking about me. You don't have to... No, no, it's not about you. This is, but but I. It, but, <laughs> but, I'm, but it is it is it is emblematic of this kind of entitlement nerd culture where everything has to be exactly what we want and for us, mm-hmm. and that really upsets me. Yeah, like it upsets me when it's like like a superhero's costume isn't isn't. It's like this isn't exactly what it was like, or like you know, dumb shit like that really really gets to me. But this I think is a little bit more upsetting because the amount of work that people put into this movie only that people piss on it and now have to redo like do more work. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's like at the end of the day, regardless of how commercial it is, somebody else made art. You don't get a say in what that art is. So your, your anger seems to be directed more at like people were upset, but then the studio said, all right, we have to go back, you know, animation people who have spent years animating the CGI Sonic now who was everything to be clear. Terrifying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's yes. very scary. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I, yeah. He's a nightmare creature. Yeah. All right. Blue fast nightmare creature. <laughs> Blue fast nightmare creature. Um, I'll I'll turn it over to to, to you two first. Do you, do you have any thoughts on on Sean's take? It's it's a good take. It is a it's, good take. I don't agree with it, take. but it's a good I take. I just disagree with where the anger lies. <laughs> I completely agree. Nerd culture feels super self entitled, and they're a bunch of fucking pussies. And I I, I don't know what to say. Um, it, it, it's fucking dumb. I saw it and I was like, "You, you have literal source material. You've got how many fucking games? If you're gonna take it and make it into a thing, mm-hmm. at least try to be close." Mm-hmm. Well, he's blue and he's got spikes. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Somebody made that decision, and that was just terrible. The fact that somebody can take two minutes on Photoshop and get him closer, and it one looks closer to the source material, and two looks even if it's not closer to the source material just better clearly there's design issues but you are absolutely right in that a lot of digital media went in and work went into creating that character and doing all the artwork and now having to go under a time crunch to recreate the whole thing that's bullshit they should have left it take that like Knock on the nose or whatever. Yeah, let, and let the market not fuck decide. the on design big studio black for somebody nose. else's decision. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, but for real, like, let mm-hmm. if if they if you don't like it, just don't go see it. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, this this but, I think this is this is I also have an issue with the fact that Paramount decided to do this. So it's yeah. like a twofold yeah. issue. I have an issue with nerds being entitled, but I also have an issue with Paramount kowtowing to that, and because that sets a really bad precedent to ev- like it doesn't have bad- to be. For it's, you. A, it's a bad time to be making this decision. And also, I th- you tell by most of the trailer that 
they they sort of have realized that Sonic's not going to be the draw for this because like this is this is Jim Carrey's show now. Yes, like, yeah. Jim Carrey's Robotnik, which by the way I am one hundred percent fine with. Like, oh yeah, like, he, this is Jim. Like, this is Ace Ventura being <laughs> Doctor Robotnik, and I'm all here for it. Yeah. Um. The the character is grotesque. You can tell that they're sort of hedging things, and they made this design decision a, a decent amount of time ago. I feel like we've been talking about this now for a couple of years. And they just oh yeah with the legs the, yeah because, because they with the, the first muscular picture legs. he had this weird long leg yeah, yeah. like they they like the the mistake was 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 not changing this two years ago and instead the, the trailer came out and they were like oh I didn't know people were mad about it people have been mad about it for a long time yeah um but but I also to your point about you know this is nerd culture going awry and everything like that um I buy that because like it's. <sighs> You're not like nobody is going to be thrilled with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie in 2019, no matter what the design decisions. Nobody, nobody would ever, except for that one Sonic movie that you fucking Damn right. <laughs> but no. Sonic the Hedgehog the movie, 1999. Terrible. It's so good. Fuck you. <laughs> I couldn't get past the first 15 minutes. Like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think like, there are so many issues. I have like, I, I went and saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie that had Megan Fox in it. And I saw the sequel. The design aspects on these turtles were not great. It, it was horrific. They, it, they were too. They were. They mm, were. Ni- they tried yeah. to get too real with it, and yeah. it was very uncomfortable the, to watch. The movies themselves, or at least the first one, was a good. Was a decent movie, yeah, in my opinion. Um, but I, I after I saw it, I was like, "This is geared for kids. It's yes. not geared for somebody with the nostalgia factor." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I first saw Sonic, I was like, "This is gonna be bad. He doesn't look good." I'm not going to shit on the movie online. I'll shit on it to my friends because yeah. I'm like, this doesn't look good at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to shit on it online because I do know how much work goes into yeah, animating and then this just stuff. Don't go see and, it. Yeah. yeah. I don't and know like, who the target audience is for this movie. Me neither, honestly. Because, because you're not making it for kids these days because nobody these days is playing Sonic games at this point. There's, there's been Sonic, there has been Sonic games that have been released within the past few years. Oh, I know, yeah. And then Sonic TV shows, and that's what they're gearing it for is like, Oh, the Saturday like morning ask Sonic okay. Boom, I think is what it was called, was a TV show that came out a few years back. Yeah, and that's I think what they're going for, like the the kids of. Yeah, they're not making the it age. for me and you and and everybody yeah. here, even though like we have our memories from like playing the Sega Genesis games. Yeah, you know they're not making it for us. Like, yeah. you know we're it's, we're gonna be mad about it. We already showed <laughs> that. Yeah, like. The the movie makers are making Lion King for us because that was when we were children. Mm-hmm. But they're not making Sonic for us because yeah. they're like we need we need to make this campy and just yeah ridiculous. So, but going off of Rich's point is people on the internet rained fucking shit on Ninja Turtles when that came out. Yeah, but so the same to their this gun. is the same thing except that the studio decided to give in. But That's you know, where I think the yeah, problem. I, is. I, I agree. You know, and good on Paramount for being like, all right, we understand you don't like it, we'll fix it. But I disagree. Yeah, well, that, I'm saying it. I'm not saying it was the right move. I'm saying good on them to try to appease to their fan base. However, doesn't mean the movie's going to be good. Yeah, I, I want so, them to replace the CGI Sonic with like the the 16 bit Genesis sprite. No, it just needs to be Ben Schwartz in a Sonic costume. <laughs> <laughs> that argument tears apart your other point of that the fan base. The point of this movie is to be for kids. So, are they appeasing their fan base of the kids or the? adults that this it seems movie like they're is not trying to, to please everyone and they're, they're not going yeah to. they're yeah they're but not I, I think you're right and that my issue was twofold because i was also upset a little bit about the the ninja turtles thing because i'm like just shut up like it's a fucking I agree. Just, just don't go see it but like so i think i'm less upset that's like a, a secondary thing or maybe i guess it's just made worse by the fact that paramount caved mm-hmm. but yeah 
So that's my hot take is I'm ride or die with Sonic 2019, the original Sonic. Sonic Sonic's gonna be in there Thursday night at midnight, like yeah. the night the day it comes out, and uh, that's fine. Let's, Thursday midnight premiere. When's it come out? What, like October, know? I think. Okay, maybe. good. So we got a lot of time. We got a lot of time. All the weddings will be out of the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So Sean, if they want to see more of your Sonic takes, where can they find you on Twitter? Honestly, I think my last three tweets are about Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can see me at Hey, it's Sob. Can you please start tweeting Trump about Sonic? Like, like as a complete non sequitur. Like, as he comes in, like, you know, fake news media is telling me that Rod Rosenstein was my fault. It's like, sir, why did you get the Sonic CGI changed? If Paramount can change Sonic Resign, CGI, sir. I think you can change your hair. Have you no decency, sir? Uh, Tim, where can they find you on Twitter? At Tim R. Hansen. Rich. At B underscore Walnuts. And I'm available at MKASNEL, M K A S Z N E L. The podcast is available at Brose underscore podcast and if you have a question for the show email it to us at brosequestions at gmail.com that's brosequestions at gmail.com um, special thanks as always to Mary O'Brien for compiling our questions uh, Shannon Vogel for designing our logo uh, our music is when by Steven Siebert uh, I host the Keystone Coast to Coast podcast we just put out an episode a couple weeks ago when you last hear this hopefully we'll put out another one soon and I edit the podcast under pressure the hidden story of pregnancy and proclampsia rich I uh, co-host the uh, PodQuest podcast. Uh, We release a weekly nerd roundtable. Sean is known for eating gigantic (laughs) hunks of lettuce and pieces of radish at the at the uh, at the table for Brose. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I was trying. I was trying to get Sean to plug that to plug the radish. (laughs) Uh, Radish for sean o'brien for tim hansen for rich sweeten and the entire action news team my name is matt casnell reminding you all to be smart about being stupid <laughs>